Welcome to Chit Chat with Hope. This is our final week, basically in the month of April, which is the Awareness Month of Artism. And I've been going over little tips and little synopsis of little experience, well, not little, but experience that I had um, um, obtained by my journey with my son that is 16, as well as workshops and my my groups and, you know, just being in contact with other parents. So I've learned a few things, and I'm quite sure that you all have learned a few things along your way traveling with your son or traveling with your daughter. Right? So tonight, again, I'm just going to give little subtopics that I'm going to try in this little bit of time to (laughs) give you an idea of either things that will, you know, will be part of your experience as well, or just an insight of what someone else probably would be going through, okay? So the experience of what I'm saying to you tonight, from you hearing me, it might be something that you can use, as well as it might be something that you can get the knowledge of and share it with someone that might need to hear it, to know it, for it to be a part of their experience as well. And experience meaning that if they're going through it, they might understand a little bit more what they're going through and what are some of the things that they can do. Okay, one of the first things that I want everyone to be aware of is that we all have to make different choices, okay? Excuse me, my allergy is going crazy. We have to make different choices based on what's best for our families. Sorry, I'm sorry, my allergy is acting up. Um, No two families are alike, okay? No two families are alike. There might be a lot of things that both families have in common or, you know, things that may appear to be similar. However, there are no two families alike. And we all have to make our personal choices, right? One of the choices that you make or I may or I may not make is the choice of whether or not we're gonna exempt our children from state tests, whether or not we're gonna exempt our children from doing homework, whether or not we're going to exempt our children from taking finals and midterm as they get older, right? As they get older, more will be required of them. If they're going to a regular community school, and when I say community school, I'm talking about an elementary school, you know, from kindergarten to fifth grade, okay? I'm almost sure that the minute they hit third grade, they're going to start with um, taking state tests, you know, getting little finals and little midterms that the teachers can know what they have obtained throughout the semester, what need to be clarified, 
prior to the state test or prior to um, any of the tests that they may be taken in the last, the last quarter of, you know, that grade. Okay. If you choose to exempt your child, like I said, everything that you or I do, it has to be based on our child or our children, and it has to be based on what the family have decided that is best for this child, right? So if you think that the test might be too um, stressful or for whatever reason you might decide that your child not taking the test, right, is the best thing for your family and your child, which is okay. There's no judge from anyone or should be no judge from anyone, but you have to understand that the choice that you make, it might have little, you know, some consequences, right? The choice that you made, it works for your family. It's the best thing for your family, right? Because that's what we do. We always want the best for our children. However, part of the um, the consequence to being exempt, you know, being exempt from all state tests, there's some reason why children are, and it is what it is. That's what matches your family. That is what is best for your child. But I'm just going to say the consequence of that is maybe and maybe in um, elementary, it is serious test because it's from the state. It's serious to take the finals. It's serial to, it's serious, I'm sorry, to take the midterm. It's serious to take quiz that you know about and pop quiz that you don't know about, right? Because the ones that you know about, yes, you can study, but the, the quiz where you walk in the class and the teacher says, well, I'm going to ask five questions and each value will hold a worth of 10 points, right? Which will make 100, right? Well, I'm sorry, which will make, let's say she asks 10 questions and each will be, you know, 10, right? 10 points. Sorry about the five. <laughs> you know, okay, so that would make 100, right? If you choose to exempt your child and... I want you to understand that in elementary school, pop quiz and all those different quiz is okay because a, a pop quiz is the teacher quickly want to know who understand the last two chapter before she goes on to the third because if she's done did the first two and she's trying to go to the third chapter, it makes no sense if more than if there's 12 kids in the class, right? And out of the 12 student in the class, correct? You know, right? 12, let's just say it's 12. And out of 12, seven fail the test. It makes no sense for her to go to the other chapter because majority of the student did not understand what she had taught, right? So this is the reason why, like, a child would go to school and said, you know, we got a quiz or we got a test. And, you know, as parents, we might say, well, why, why didn't you tell me you had a test? And the child might say, well, I didn't know. These are just the reason why, okay? What I want you to understand is even though it's very serious that they do take all these tests, if it applies to your child, because remember, whatever applies to our children, that's the best thing for our children. But I'm just going to tell you the flip side of that is the practice of taking the the state test, it's going to make all students 
whether they're prepared or not, nervous. So, but I think that um, maybe over the course of the years, third grade, fourth grade, and middle school, when they enter high school, they're going to know it's a very important test, right? However, they're always going to be nervous, but they're going to understand that it's a big test and it's okay to be nervous, right? To say this and to say that, I'm going to wrap this little part up. When your child has not taken any quiz, any test, any, anything, right? Um, don't do homework or can't do homework or you decided that it is too much for the family or too much for your child, right? I just want you to not be surprised. I want you to be aware that when your child enters high school, if these are the same things that are beneficially to your family where your child is too stressed, can't do homework. Can't do, do homework simply means that it's not simple. I keep saying simply means. But it means that the teacher will never understand what your child didn't understand about what was taught the day off while they were in school because whatever homework in the lower grades is usually uh, an example being thrown out to the teacher for her to see what you've learned, what was retained in the brain, okay? She now will understand whether she should go forward or not, right? So... I want you to understand that if these are the same things that work for your family when your child has entered high school, right, where your child really don't do homework because it's just too much for your child, your child don't do the quiz or the exam for whatever reason, but that's your, it works best for your family and your child. I want you to know, for those of you that didn't know, maybe some people already know, but... Um, Someone in, you know, some people really don't know. But I want you to know, if your child do not take the state test, do not take any finals, any midterm, any test at all, when your child hits 12th grade and is graduating, your child will not be receiving a regular diploma. Your child will get a certificate ticket that they have went to school and they have completed 12th grade. Okay, I'm going to say that again. If your child do not take the necessary exams, do homework, do the state test, and do get a, a grade, whatever grade they're, they're, um, they're supposed to get, if it's 65, if it's 70, it's different, in, it's, it's different as the students get older. Okay, but whatever it is, if your child never take any of these exams, they really, not that they're comparing children or students, you know, as we were talking about school, it's not that they're comparing, but the whole point is that they want to get a ratio where your child falls with other children that might be in special education. They want to see what your child was capable of retaining for the, the year. Or if it's a quiz, 
any of these things, all of these things make the, a big difference at the end of when your child is in 12th grade. Your child will not get a regular diploma, a regular high school diploma. They will not because they have nothing to base off what your child has learned for the whole four years of high school. They have no state tests, they have no exams, they have no quiz, they have no homework. So, you know, it's like as long as regardless of what within yourself, you know that this is best for your family, then I just want you to know, if you didn't already know, I just want you to know your child will not receive a regular diploma. Okay? Because in order to get a regular diploma from a high school, you need to meet certain requirements. And by not doing homework, by not, which is a percentage of your grade, by not doing homework, by not taking any quiz, any exam, any finals, any midterm, any state test, these are a big part of the requirement that you will continue from, um, from ninth grade to 12th grade, right? Or some schools from eighth grade to 12th grade. These are the things that are uh, the biggest part of the requirement in order to get a high school diploma, okay? So for those of you that didn't know that information that I just have you know shared with you I don't want you to be surprised if your child is in the 12th grade or in the 11th grade or in high school period and um, at the end of the 12th grade you find out that your child is not going to get a regular diploma I want you to be to know that your child is not going to get a diploma that your child is going to get a surfer ticket that basically say that they have completed the 12th grade you know from whatever grade, to the 12th grade. But it's not a diploma, and it holds no weight in comparison to the diploma, which means that it cannot use the certificate ticket that you get for your child for them to go to college because it's not a diploma. College wants a regular diploma that has requirements of what that person, that young person knows and at some point, they're going to figure that if this child has a high school diploma, then the child was able to re re retain most or enough of the information that was taught to be able to get in that high school diploma. All right. So I want you to be. I want you to understand that and be okay with it when that time comes. Okay. The other thing that I want to share with you is. Um, we, whenever you choose to let your child know that it's difficult for them because of this reason, the reason being you have autism, right? Whenever you decide to, um, to tell your child, um, personally, there's no, no judge, no judging on my part. And no one should judge. Like I said, we all make decisions based on our children and based on 
what our family as a group think is better for that child. You know, when I say family, I'm meaning a spouse or another adult in the house that's helping with um, caring for this child, and both of you can go back and forth, and both of you can decide what is best for this child, okay? Um, when you decide to let that child know that the reason why it takes you two hours, the reason why it's very hard for you to make friends, the reason why X, Y, or Z, you know, whatever is going on with your child or the child that you're taking care of. So you would better know what example you're going to give to your child. Okay, with my son, when I decided to tell him some of the reason why he was struggling, and struggling mean that it was taking him a long time. He had always done well in school, but I mean, you know, homework, three, four hours, you know, come on. <laughs> you know, but he'd always done well. But then it was getting frustrating because we were tired. 11 o'clock, we're going to bed to get up, got, you know, get up 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, whatever, right? But when I told him, I've already prepared myself for him being upset, for him not wanting to have this thing. You just can't tell a child that you have autism and, and just leave it like that. I want you to prepare everything that you think might go wrong as well as everything that you're going to share that is positive, right? It's just like me and you. If we went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, you have high blood pressure, and anyway, I want to see you in six weeks. The first thing we're going to say, then what can I do? What can I do to lower my blood pressure? You know, do I have to take medication? We're going to want information, and rightfully so we should. And the same thing goes for your children. Whatever age you choose, no judging on my part, that's up to you and your family. I, on the other hand, right, I'm going to share my life with you. I, on the other hand, and I can share it because I asked my son and he said he's okay with me sharing bits of his life, right? Because, you know, I have to respect his will as well because, you know, he's a young man, right? I'm not going to tell you what age, right, that you choose to let your child know the reason why you're struggling with this or the reason why you're struggling with that. That is if the child can understand, you know, can truly understand what the word means because it doesn't make any sense to tell a child and the only thing they know how to do is to repeat the word back and really don't understand the whole picture of the word, right? Pick your age, be prepared for your child being upset. Be prepared for your child not wanting to be a part of whatever you just said, right? Be prepared for your child to tell you, I don't have a disability, or to be upset that you're saying that this is a disability, or however you want to label it, whether you want to say it's a disability or it's not a disability, it's up to you. I'm just using the words that... I use with my son, right? But the age that I decided to tell my son was when he was 12, 11, going on 12, within that realm, 
right there within those, that age bracket, right? And I thought it was important because he was getting upset staying up that late. I was tired, and I, I hung up with him, but there were some nights where, you know, both of us weren't in the best place, okay, where we were tired and, and you know, all of that, right? However, when I told my son, I've already had an idea what I was going to do. And what I did was I have books. I have books that helped me to smooth over how he would feel, right? And that's what I would like for you to also do. Have books or have a book that you can give this young person or you yourself have, have read. When you do all your investigation on what best might work for your child, then you would decide to tell your child. I chose that age because my son was getting ready to go into middle school. Middle school, you're talking about teenagers. So he was not going to have teachers that kind of cuddle you a bit in elementary because it's the younger grade. Now he's going to be in middle school where it's different. Everyone in there basically, is going to be a teenager or is a teenager. It's a different world, which means that he is now going to notice that socially he is not where his peers were. There are going to be a lot more things that, you know, he's going to have to negotiate in his head. So I wanted him to be fully prepared to understand the reason why. The reason why. The reason why it's hard for you to have conversation when you have to initiate it is because of autism. Because you don't have a problem waiting for someone to speak and then you will respond. But it's very hard for you to actually initiated and it's not that you can't you can but somehow it just don't happen for you that way as easily as it does your peers so we had to do that because at some point your children have to know if they're capable of understanding they have to know it's not a secret it's not something that you can hold from them because that diagnosis belongs to them and the better prepared they will be for knowing they can be taught how to advocate for themselves, which they're going to have to, right? So choose the age when you're going to let your child take ownership of part of who they are. I bought a book, right? And I guess you can Google it. It's a very good book. And it says, that's, T-H-A-T, -A -T, apprentice, 
S. That's like me. And it says stories about amazing people with learning difference by Jim Lauren. Okay, so this book, okay, this book helped me bridge a very important information to my son because this book has a lot of people in that book that also have disability. There's a young man in there that he wanted to be a police officer and he has a disability and it took him longer to graduate from the academy, but guess what? He did. There's ballerinas in there. There's, you know, chef. Get a book that your child can now have a role model to say, well, if this person can do it, I can do it, right? Because once you have explained the reason why the child can't do certain things or does it but does it at a lower at a slower pace then they now need to figure out where do i belong okay and then you can give a book and let this child see how many wonderful gifted smart people with all different kind of abilities are in this book, and you're part of this fantastic group. You can also do this because this person is doing that. You can do this because this person is doing that. And I also, you know, he got, I'm not going to lie, he got very upset that, you know, he doesn't have that, and he, you know, he was very upset. And I told him, go and Google in your room, because you know they're very good with that computer, a laptop or an iPad or whatever it is. You know, they're very good electronically, right? They're very techy, these kids, right, with autism. Very techy, most of them. So I told him, go and Google successful, famous people with autism. And then I want you to do the same for people with disability, any disability. And... He did. When he came back in my room, right, because we had the discussion in my room, when he came back in my room, he wasn't as upset as when he left because he came back in and he was like, you know, Ray Charles is blind mine, you know, and he, he sings and he, you know, did you know that he wrote a lot of songs for people that know how to see? I said, of course. I said, I know. And he said, you know, he travels. He had his own band and he this and he had won awards. And I said, okay, fine. And he's blind and he knows how to play the piano and he's blind. And I can see and I can see all the keys and I still cannot play the piano because I don't have that talent and I don't have that gift. Grant you, I could probably learn a, a song or half of a song, but not like him. I'll never be in his category. Okay, so... What I'm saying is it probably took him longer and he probably had to learn different ways of doing what he's doing, but it didn't stop him. My son was okay with that explanation. He was okay with the book. He was okay with the Googling stuff. And it fell, and he just fell in place. He just fell in his place where, you know what? I have autism but autism doesn't have me, which means it is a part of me. I can't deny that. 
But that part of me is not going to stop me from achieving what I want. And I, and I let him know, the goals are still yours. It's going to be harder for you to do. It might take you longer. But longer don't mean it doesn't happen. Right? And that's what I want to take you to take away from tonight. Please find the time to sit down with yourself and honestly let your children know why they're struggling. Because you know what? Once they know why they're struggling, most kids won't feel bad about themselves. Okay? They won't feel bad. They'll just understand that, all right, this is the reason why. And it just means that I have to just put more into myself in doing it. You know, I'm going to have to set goals. I'm going to have to probably study on the weekends when my, you know, maybe his counterparts in the other classes are not. I'm going to have to study longer, right? And I also wanted to let you understand that at a certain age, they will ask you to let your child attend the IEP meeting. Again, no judge and no parent should judge. Everyone make their own choice for what works for them for their children and what works for their family. But we have to understand that when your child go to a meeting like that, depend on the atmosphere of the school your child attends. You should really decide within yourself if you want your child to attend an IEP meeting. Because if, I don't want to say toxic because it kind of sounds bad. It is bad. <laughs> but if the staff that are within the IEP meeting, if they're toxic, if they're rude, if they're not tactful, if they're not polite, if they can't say what they need to say, because we don't want people to sugarcoat it and not actually tell you what's going on, but if they're not professional in the way they say things, which means instead of being negative, you're just being you're just telling what is factual. You're going to tell the person this is the reality of what's going on. However, it's not that we're not trying. We're trying. Your child is trying. And I'm quite sure you as a parent is trying. So it's all three of us in this, not just you. And a parent will walk away and you still feel bad that your child is not doing well. But at the same time, it, it makes you feel a little better knowing that we're all on this, you know, you're all on the same team. Now, if it doesn't happen where they're, where they're positive and they're negative, personally, I would feel that if a child enters into a meeting and there's a battle going on with the parent and the, the teachers or the officials that are within that meeting, it can't be good for a child to sit and watch. Or if you're the parent or caregiver that get very emotional during the meeting, I don't think a child is going to know what to do 
in that instant where you have a parent that's crying uncontrollable for whatever that's being told, right? So I'm not, for me personally, my son is 16 and he had never went to any of these meetings. And why? It's because I'm never sure who's going to show up, but I know I'm going to show up. And I know that whoever is going to speak of him, about him, is going to be respectful, whether they want to or not. They can keep all that other whatever they have coming on to another parent, and I hope that other parent shut them down. But I know for sure I'm going to shut it down. I don't want my son seeing me like that. I don't want my son seeing me in action like that. Now, if it's something that happens and I have to correct, the person right away, then that's different. But at a planned meeting, I don't want my son seeing me, you know, checking people left, right, and center because I want, regardless of what, I want him to remain in a child's place and be respectful to his teacher, remain in a child's place and be respectful to every one of these adults that's in here. That's for me to challenge them. That's for me to deal with them. So um, I don't want, I don't, I've never let my son attend any of these meetings. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. From, um, from middle school, and now we're in high school, I've never had a negative IEP meeting. I have never had one. You know, I have always had staff that were very professional, um, very caring, um, chose their words, what they had to say, and if they had to say it, they'll say it, but they said it in a positive way even though it might be something that he needs to do more frequently or in general something that is not completed as far as you know he knows half of what's going on and we're working on the other half and we see that it's going well he's progressing so you know we really don't have a problem they know how to speak to people. They're polite. They're professional. But at the same point, I don't bring him there because we have worked on his self-esteem. I have worked on his self-worth. I have worked on his confidence. And I know that even in the best atmosphere where everyone is being totally professional, if you have a child that understands enough and they're sitting in a meeting, and they're listening to certain things. And one of the things that I'm going to tell you why I never let my son attend IEP meeting. When he was in elementary school, right? Regular public school, right? They had it on his IEP that as long as he understands 40% of what is taught for the year, they're okay with that. <laughs> okay? They're okay with that. I don't want my son listening to no 40% and thinking that all he has to do is perform for 40%. No, I want him to know he got to perform for 100. If he falls short in his best try, then that's okay. But I do not want him ever to think that he doesn't have to push himself because all he needs is 40%. Oh, no. So I kept my son from attending IEP meetings. One, I do not want 
anyone that is not trained or professional enough to my liking start being very degrading as far as how they decide to describe how my child learn or can't learn or is learning. So I know how I am. I'm going to speak to you in a professional way, and whatever you need to say to me, you need to Google a word to replace what you normally would say when you're going to speak to me. Right? So I never let him go because you just never know. There's always someone there that is going to throw the team off. So far, I've been blessed. From middle school to high school, I've not encountered that. But in elementary school, I did. I did. I once had someone that I would, that um, described my son as those, you know, those kind of kids. And I, I, and I really, you know, believe me, the podcast is not long enough to tell you exactly how I had to really check her. And I had to ask her, who are you speaking of? Because I know you're not trying to say um, my son is one of those kids. Because which kids are you talking about? One of what? My son is a student in your school. My son is a child. Do not describe my child as one of those kids. Because if you're feeling that kind of a way, and you're all in your feelings being professional, you shouldn't be here. You should be somewhere else, not around children that you have their self-esteem in the palm of your hand and their self-worth. So for that, and that was a surprise because that was someone that usually never attends our meeting. And she was right there in the meeting, you know, being obnoxious, and I had to check her. I would never want my son to hear her describe him as one of those, one of those kids. And I would never want my son to sit there. I didn't, I wasn't using any inappropriate words, but I was just letting her know that when she see this face, she needs to know what she's talking and how she's talking because I'm not going to deal with that. I'm not going to go there with her. But I don't want, or I should say, I didn't want my son see me speaking to this professional person that may have to correct him throughout the day. And, here, and I want him to understand that whatever happens, you don't have to deal with it. You need to come home with it and let me go deal with it. So I, I did not want my son to sit in any meeting and feel that he could disrespect any adults by trying to speak the way I did. I'm an adult. I know how to choose my words, and I know what to say. I don't want my son thinking he does not have to follow instruction from any adults because after the meetings, I'm okay because, you're, because as adults, you said what you said, and I said what I said, and I mean what I said. So we both understand our boundaries. I'm not going to touch your boundaries, and I'm going to let you know. You're not allowed to touch mine either. So after the meeting, as adults, we get each other. We get each other. I don't have to dislike you. I just got to remember that you need to be checked because you have issues with how you describe children that have disability. So I'm going to have to keep you in check mentally. But if you come off real polite with me, I'm going to be the same with you. Okay? I don't want my son to think that he can speak to this person, whoever it is, this math teacher or whoever it is that decided to be disrespectful. 
I don't want my son to ever feel that he does not have to respect an adult. Like I said, whatever happened in school, come home with it and let me deal with it. So um, he had never attended at any IEP meetings because I've worked too hard on his self-confidence. I've worked too hard on his self-respect. I've worked too hard on his self-worth. We have done all of these things, and he is thriving, okay? He knows who he is. He knows his capability. He knows he's unstoppable if he does the things that he needs to do. He knows that time has nothing to do with how successful you are. He understands that. He understands that someone can be, could have completed medical school and failed their last exam. Doesn't mean that they don't get to try again or keep going. It's just that they have to pass the test. And whenever they pass the test, then they're a doctor. And that's how I want my son to think. So this is why my child never accompanied me to an IP meeting. Now, like I said, that choice worked well for me. That choice worked well for my child. That choice worked well for my family. Okay? So everyone, and like I said, it's awareness, and I want you to be aware that once your child sits in the room and something is said about the child, you know, or there's an argument, that child is not going to leave feeling good about themselves. And, of course, you... You, I, we have to be so restrained not to come out of pocket. And when I say come out of pocket, not to really go back at this person in a, in a, in a way that, in a personal way, but you want to do it in a professional way and just deal with what you didn't like at that point, instead of, you know, really digging and trying to hurt back this person's feeling, you want to let this person know professionally at this very moment, I don't see you being that, right? So this is why I don't let my son attend any of these meetings. Again, it's up to you and your family and how you feel about it. Because for me, what, what meaning it holds with him attending the meeting and he's not at the age or will ever be at the age where you will have a meeting with him without me so that means I am I'm the spokesperson you're going to have to deal with me right so when I come home I discuss what took place in the meeting with my son he knows that I'm going to go to a meeting when I get home I'll let him know if they're saying you know one of his biggest thing, I mean, his book bag, Lord have mercy. I don't know how he finds anything in there. He's so unorganized. But for some reason, he knows where everything is. God bless him. God bless him. Because when I look in the bag, all I see is just a bunch of papers and whatever, right? But for some reason, he knows where everything is, and he does well in his classes. But... I don't think he could sit there and hear me 
have someone to rephrase what they just said to me because right there he's going to know I'm upset. Once I become upset, he will become upset. And so will your child. Once I start, you know, once for, you know, for example, I don't cry at these meetings. And the reason why I don't cry is not because I am so tough or I'm so perfect. I don't cry because I know my child. And if you're trying to tell me something that I don't know, I'm going to question you about it, right? And not only am I going to question you about it, but I want to know why you saw a change and you didn't at least decide to share that with me. So we're, we're going to go all and every which direction to rectify this because it's not going to happen again, right? But again, that is a choice, that you will make for your family. For me, it was never, ever a good choice for him to go. I don't want, in high school now, they're saying, well, they were saying, it's written down, but they don't follow it, and I don't follow it either. They're like, well, if he passed 60%, you know, then, you know, he'll pass. For one, I know it's not going to work because that's a Regency school, which means he's going to have to do regents, classes, which he's taken, right? So I know 60%, he wouldn't, he wouldn't pass this. He wouldn't even pass any of his class because it's a charter school, and they're going to hold him at their standards that they do a child that don't have autism or any disability. They're not going to cut any slack. So from day one, I let my son Knowing his head, you have, you know, it's a hundred, and you have to pass. Okay, you have to try to pass. Okay, if the if the passing grade is eighty, you're gonna have to go. You're gonna have to get eighty, and if you don't get eighty, you're going to be the one to call the teacher, go to the teacher, and ask if you can do some extra credit and bring it up to where it needs to be. And that's how I deal. You know, that's how I deal with stuff in my world, <laughs> right? So um, you just got to figure out how you're going to do what you do. So again, I am going to leave you. I wish you all well. I wish all of your children's are all of your children's are doing well in school. And remember, we're all learning each and every day. Each and every hour, every second that we're with our children, we're learning. Not to say one thing that worked with this family will work with yours. But what I've always known for me, all the information that is given may not work for me. All of it may not work. But I don't have a problem pulling out what does. Okay? I'm going to say that again. Everything that I have said might not apply to you or your family, but try to see if you can pull out what does and can work for your family, all right? So I bid you good night. Please take care of yourself. Good night.